The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Side Quests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. So, we have a new patron, so big shout out to Vasilis Tsipopoulos. I really hope I pronounced that at least somewhat right. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the channel. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much, Vasili. So we're basically just one uh, patron away from doing what we mentioned a couple of episodes ago, that if we get five patrons, we are going to um, post a, an example of the kind of notes and scripts that we do, just so uh, you can have a little bit of a look behind the scenes. But anyway, how are things in Sweden these days? Uh, well, the weather still can't decide if it's supposed to be some kind of apocalyptic rains or just really hot and, and humid, uh, but like just... The, the last couple of hours that I've been up, uh, I've had some really dark clouds. Uh, not actual rain. That was last night. Uh, but now it's now it's just this this fluffy white clouds and and a lot of sunshine. But yeah, it's it's you can tell you you're getting close to the summer because everyone is like doing their last bits at at work and just finishing up and stuff like that. And and people are are eating ice cream at socially responsible distances in the parks and stuff like that so uh, it's it's actually kind of nice yeah yeah weather starting to get slowly better here in denmark as well though it being denmark we we get our share fair share of rain mm. um but that's just that's just how it is um so this side quest is on a topic suggested not by a listener who is uh who is a patron and not by a listener who's on facebook on the facebook group but rather a listener who is my wife so you know i i i, <laughs> I yeah, figured we, we're gonna have to do if if she tells us or asks us we we're gonna have to do it otherwise jacob's gonna be away from the podcast for quite a long time <laughs> well also, it is actually quite an interesting topic, uh, and it's on something that is one of the many reasons why I really love Dark Ages, and it's on the idea of running a Through the Ages Chronicle, uh, which is a term, I don't know if other groups use it, but it's one that, that uh, my group has been using ever since we did the first Transylvania Chronicles. And it is a chronicle that, starting in some historical period, obviously, uh, the, the Middle Ages period covered by Dark Ages makes the most sense because you have books for that. Um, though you also have Victorian Age vampires, so there are some options. Um, and then you go up to modern times, and it's obviously something that vampire is especially well-equipped to um, to handle. Uh, Peter, have you ever tried playing or running a Through the Ages Chronicle? No, I, I haven't actually. Not, not in, in this kind of... Uh, sense not, not, uh, well I've, I've started it and it's the kind of problem that that you run into quite often that you, that you start out with plans to have like yeah let's play a game that's going to go on for years in real life and and we'll play every week and it's going to cover all of history and and then after a few months people start getting busy and it, and it kind of like when you're younger you have to study for some exam or something and and when you're older, you have kids or whatever. So, uh, yeah. But but yeah, it's it's a very interesting topic. So and quite a lot of uh, to to chew on, so to speak. Yeah. Um, White Wolf has published three chronicles uh, that that tackles this. Uh, you have um, the one that that does it. Uh, shall we say the least is Ventru Chronicles, where you have one game set in the. In the Dark Ages, or in the Middle Ages, in in the Dark Ages setting, uh, and then you play the childer of the characters you played in that setting 
in a Victorian Ages game, and then you end up in modern nights uh, playing the child of the ones you played in um, in the uh, Victorian age. So mm. you go through the ages, but it's only one book. Uh, so it's o- and it's only three scenarios. So if you want any sort of stuff where you really see history moving along, you're going to have to invent it yourself. And you don't play the same character. You play basically their descendants, which is an interesting way of doing things. I mean, that's what was done in um, a really amazing... Ca- is that the game you're thinking of? What? Isn't the Pendragon the, the yeah. Arthurian... Um, yes, exactly. Game? Where where they have the, um, the Great Pendragon campaign that takes place over a bit over 80 years and where you, when your character either retires due to old age or dies due to being in fights because this is a brutal system, then you play that character's uh, usually son. And and uh, incidentally, if, if people out there are looking for an amazing campaign to run, I can't recommend um, the Great Pendagon campaign enough. It's really good. Um, then you have Giovanni Chronicles. Uh, I've, I've run the two first scenarios of Ventrue Chronicles, but we never got to run the third one. Uh, I can't remember what got in the way, but something got in the way of, of running it, which is a bit annoying because uh, I, I'm, the, I'm the writer on the third... Uh, scenario in Ventrue Chronicles, and I never gotten to run my own scenario. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Giovanni Chronicles, I've run that, which takes place in, I think it's like 1444, uh, is the first scenario, and then it goes up to the 1800s. Uh, it's in four books. The last book then switches perspective. Rather than playing the same characters, you play a new criteria of characters. Um, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but it, it's a rather... The last book is really well written. It's a rather cool uh, setup. But once again, you're not getting to play the um, the old characters. And then there's Transylvania Chronicles, which I've been a player in uh, all the way through once. And we're currently playing it as well. And that is sort of the chronicle for playing through the ages. Because you start in 1198, you end in, I think, around 2000 or so. So you're playing through 800 years of history, and you end up with characters who have played through 800 years of history. So you end up with some really, really powerful characters. And and at the same time, they manage to s- set the stage so that you're not just steamrolling everything, um, which is... Uh, it can be a challenge, I think, if you have really powerful characters to um, to really put some challenges out there that the characters can't just uh, p- uh, power through with with all the resources they've gathered through however long you've been playing yeah exactly and and especially when it comes to vampires you also kind of get this like why why would we do this and why wouldn't we just send our children or henchmen or whatever to to solve this problem so um th- that's kind of the big challenge for for me when i was Kind of doing this actually but we'll, we'll see what we, we we come up with yeah and i mean one of the reasons why my wife suggested this is she is now being the storyteller on transylvania chronicles for the second time mm. and um her approach to transylvania chronicles is it's a really great great framework but it's really poorly executed many of the scenarios requires uh at least some rewriting and some of them are almost unplayable, depending on on the kind of characters that are created. And it's not like you can just say no to certain things because, uh, I mean, if if the characters say, okay, this is in Transylvania, we're going to be only Tremere 
then there are certain scenarios that fits that very well and certain scenarios that are almost impossible. But at the same time, if the characters decide, all right, we're going to be Tzimish and Tzimish aligned, then there are certain scenarios that fit really well, but others that are nearly impossible. Uh, so it's a bit of a problem. And the thing was that, that she said, it could be interesting to run a Through the Ages Chronicle but one that, that, you know, where you don't just buy Transylvania Chronicles because that's its own kind of, of headache. And one thing that you mentioned is, yeah, setting the stage because in Transylvania Chronicles, one thing they really do is they manage to set the stage so that the characters can always be involved. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's I think, sort of the first point you need to consider when you're doing a, a Through the Ages Chronicle. What can you do that ensures that the characters don't just end up being spiders sitting in the middle of their big web of power and influence and charter and ghouls and sending them out to handle things. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm going to be straight with everyone. That was one of the main problems that I had when, when writing this. So, so I took some, some easy way out in, in places like this and, um, and for natural reasons, since we don't have like hours and hours uh, <laughs> to do this, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that yours as well is going to be pretty much an outline, but I think I found a, a few ways to, to actually get the, the characters rather than the resources involved in the story. And, and hopefully people will, <laughs> will find something interesting in it. If, well, if, if not, please tell us. So uh, yeah, love some um, feedback. Yeah, and, and like the first point I think a lot of people ask is why would you do it? Um, but I mean, as someone who's done it, it is amazing to see your character grow through that. And it's it's also really, really fun to end up playing these incredibly powerful characters yeah. who are on par with some of the, uh, the oldest uh, characters, um, canon characters that, that, are, that are represented. I mean, you're, you're getting to the point where uh, age-induced torpor can be a real uh, issue, but you're still these very powerful characters, and and you your character grows and you get to know your character so well. And in I mean, you could play a modern-day game where where the storyteller says, "All right, you're seventh generation. You have this many XP or freebie points to play with," but then you usually end up generating a character from a very specific vantage point, and then very fo much focusing on that idea whereas the character that i played in our first transylvania chronicle game went through so many changes that if you looked at his character sheet when when the game was finished you probably you'd probably go why the hell does he have that where the hell does that come from yeah. but it's just an organic growth which is really really cool and also you get to be a part of a lot of historical events yeah exactly and, and that can always be fun i've, I've actually try to stay we're going to get into this but but i've, I've actually uh, made a point or a bit of a point to, to try to stay away from from the whole vampires are behind everything uh, I, yeah. I threw in some some things that like uh, because for me uh, i i love having historical events um and you literally can't do a historical chronicle without having historical events <laughs> uh, but but more as a background or or perhaps as as um, uh, something more relatable or, or interesting to the players than necessarily the, the characters, uh, because usually when when you're living a historical event, you probably don't realize that it's going to be historical at yeah. least not when it starts. So, uh, but but yeah, we're we're gonna have to see. Uh, I'm guessing we're gonna do like a bit of, of back and forth that I we we take turns telling each bit. Uh, 
one bit of our stories and just progress, or how do you want to do it? Well, I was actually I was thinking if you if you talk about what you want to do because the main idea I have for Through the Ages Chronicle is one that I'm actually going to write for the Storytellers Vault. Ah. So I'm I can I, I don't want to reveal too much, but I can reveal reveal a bit of it, and then we can also go into sort of. Uh, the 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 uh, I, uh, sort of the um, how how can you set it up? What would you do? Because mm. I mean, the first thing you would need is inspiration. Um, where where would you find your inspiration? Uh, sometimes it may come as just this is somewhere I would love to set a chronicle, and in other cases it might be doing some research and and just looking for an interesting place to to set it. So so how did you come about an idea for a through the ages chronicle? What? <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, well, yeah. I, I started with trying to figure out a, a good starting off point because you, you can always just say that, oh, it's it's the year whatever and you're all in a small castle in, in France or something. But but I, I feel that it's uh, it's it's more epic and, and interesting if, if you have somewhere um, that that you actually jump off from that that is a big event or an important occasion. Uh, and see not necessarily how vampires influenced that, but but in one way, almost the other way around. That like, okay, this, this has just happened. So how would uh, the vampires in the area react to that, and and how would they would their lives or unlives change due to this event? So um, my my starting off point is uh, is the uh, Norman invasion of uh, of England in 1066. Ah, and, yeah, and, that's a good one. And I'm thinking, um, and and again, this is basically just an outline, uh, outlining, and and just giving the, the the storyteller ideas on how to build them and how to incorporate their own ideas. So, so like, if if anyone wants to change it, then then just go ahead. But um, w- one of the like basic ideas for this is uh, <clears throat> that that we, we and we talked about this in in previous episodes, like. That the the world of dark uh, darkness differs quite a bit from from the historical world. So, for example, you can, uh, if you want to, you can still have like more pagans and non-Christians up in Scandinavia. And perhaps people are a bit more Viking-ish if that's what you want, and and stuff like that. So you can you can have um, a, a bit more of a variation. So, for example, in the uh, in the invading army. Uh, of Normans, uh, perhaps there are still quite a few pagans uh, because they they were still around, uh, still allowed to hang around. So so everyone wasn't Christian, uh, or you could have uh, perhaps um, uh, relatives being called in to for a favor, like hey, I'm gonna invade uh, uh, England. Do you, do you want to join up? Uh, bring bring your mates from Norway or or Denmark mm. or whatever. Um, and and they come along and they just happen to still be uh, pagans. Uh, so um, so so the the idea is that uh, I I want to allow for a more uh, diverse cast of characters. So for example, if you uh, if if you want to play um, uh, an Arab character, for example, you could easily just say that. Uh, well, he's he's an uh, Arab explorer, or chronicle chronicler, or uh, trader who has come up from uh, from from um, uh, Arabia or, or the Middle East, just joining the the invading expedition as uh, just to write down what the hell is happening in this 
faraway pagan land or, or whatever or just just to to uh, give give the players a bit more option on uh, on on what they uh, want to play as um, and what I also would do is that uh, I would start out having like a session zero um, before the, the actual chronicle starts to uh, to have the storyteller and the, the players create their characters together so they can kind of fit fit them together uh, and and they would be created as as mortals uh, because mm. what the, the idea is that um, the 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 characters after the the Battle of Hastings and the celebration of everything uh, a coterie of uh, of canines um, they celebrate this this victory they use this this great occasion uh, to uh, embrace uh, some of the worthy uh, and this this is also quite interesting because or the, the point is that you create the sire coterie uh, from uh, or, or using the player characters as kind of a basis so like okay uh, instead of having like a fixed set of, of um, canites that you can use to okay this one should embrace this one because that fits the most uh, if you were, if you kind of go go at it backwards, you start out with with play characters, and then you, as the storyteller, can think that, okay, what kind of vampire would embrace this character? Yeah, um, yeah, that is that's a really diff- uh, cool way to go. Um, and also, I mean, the whole session zero creating characters that that is, uh, I think, a really really good idea. Rather than saying, okay, create uh, create your characters at home, and then we'll we'll get to playing, mm-hmm. or creating the characters and then jumping straight into the game. Sitting down and actually spending some time gives you two good options. The first being that you can uh, make sure that that everybody's on the same page. Characters are created that can at least tolerate each other enough to be a Kateri. Um, But also that, that you can get in there because one thing, if you're playing a Chronicle that's going to take uh, like years in real time, you have to make sure that the characters that are being created are characters that work. And it's it's okay to limit your players. I mean, um, for ex- and and there's I think there are some players who are thinking I don't want to be limited in my choice because that's going to be boring. But I've played two amazing campaigns where there were limits, very strict limits. Uh, the first one being actually the Great Pen Dragon campaign, where you can only play English male knights. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and and. You still end up with some very different characters. The other one was uh, a Werewolf the Wild West Chronicle uh, that that started with our characters being um, going through our uh, rite of passage, so young teenagers, and ending while we were very very old. And that ha- that was um, we were all playing uh, of the Wendigo tribe. We were all attached to um, in the mortal world. The um, I think it was the Oglalasu uh, tribe. And so our uh, storyteller, which is my wife, <laughs> who suggested this, she said that, okay, you can only play Wendigo. Uh, one of you can play a lupus. The others have to be hormits. Only one of you can be wolfborn. The rest have to be humanborn. Um, and even though we were limited to one tribe and all of that, we still ended up with some very, very different characters. So it's very important to be prepared to say, there are certain things that you cannot play. For example, in in this uh, uh, chronicle, you've suggested 
it's going to be real difficult involving, for example, Atsumish, because what would they doing, be doing all the way over there? It might be possible. And I can't remember if it's 1066, if I think Clan Tremere has just come into existence. Once again, mm-hmm. it's going to be difficult to involve. And and if you say no to certain things, it can save you some trouble later on because some pe- some character concepts might uh, either be so far removed from everything that they it's hard to involve them or somebody may end up making a character concept that sucks up too much attention i mean that could also be a problem yeah exactly and and i feel that from a from a player uh, perspective that of course you you always want to play the character that that you want to play uh, but then again you you have to realize that certain certain types of characters doesn't necessarily fit in in all sorts of campaigns so so for example like and and i'm guessing this is the same for every role play like that i i have at least a dozen different kinds of of characters that i would like to play like yeah i would like to play the bounty (laughs) hunter or i would like to play the um, savvy court um, schemer or whatever and and so if if someone asks like yeah do do you want to play a game and I'm I'm not gonna say like yeah I, I want to play this court schemer I'm gonna ask that yeah sure what what kind of characters would fit and if it's a, a exploration in the jungle then I'm probably gonna uh, choose my like the, the sneaky hiding in the bushes halfling scout rather than the the half elven courtier for example or exactly uh, yeah so um, but, but yeah and but, but the thing is and, and again this is something that I, um, I'm I'm kind of playing with because. Um, one and, and we're we're getting to that as well. That one idea uh, that I had uh, with the uh, because I, I didn't want to be too limiting, but but of course the, there are some plans that that might be completely off the uh, off the table. Uh, but one one of the ideas I had was that this the, the coterie of vampires that embraces the play characters uh, aren't necessarily uh, from. Uh, England itself, but rather that that they might use um, 1066 as as a point to establish themselves, uh, and which which means that they can have the roots in other parts of of Europe. So and mm. and again, this is kind of a storyteller player thing that you need to talk to to uh, characters like if they if they really want to play um, a, a, a particular clan, uh, you could at least try to incorporate it like. Tsimich uh, would probably be one of the easier to incorporate. I, I would say that like uh, a setite or a, an asamite might be even harder. But but again, you, you kind of have to work with your players with this, uh, and don't be afraid to say no. Um, and and so so again, we, we have this. Um, I'm I'm imagining just this huge nighttime feast when the when the Normans are are celebrating their. Um, they're great victories and it's huge bonfires and, and drinking and, and mead and everything uh, because you need that as a Norman invader. Uh, and, <laughs> and at the same time... Sorry? No, I was just laughing because, yeah, yeah, mead, yeah. definitely. Uh, but, but at the same time, you, you have these K-Knights basically uh, scouring the battlefield and and um, and I just wanted to pick up what you said that the, the characters should at least tolerate each other. Um, I... If, if you want one of the characters or a few of the characters to be, uh, or, or rather the, the characters doesn't have to start out uh, necessarily on the same side in, in the actual battle, and if you want to do like a prologue, you can always have 
uh, like a, a short uh, scene where all of the mortals die one after another and then they are, are brought back to life by their new vampiric overlords. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm thinking that these uh, these vampires might not care about which side you were on as much as, as the mortals would. They just care that, that you're a worthy uh, a person worthy enough of embrace. So like, yeah, we're mm-hmm. gonna yeah. perhaps a, a brucha is gonna pick one of the, the Saxons or, or Englishmen who fought really well, but he died. But yeah, and, and oh, you you choose a Norwegian dude. Cool. Let's let's make sure they play nice together. Um, so yeah. So so that's kind of that's kind of the, the starting off point. Um, and and then I've. Uh, I, I have lots of parts and lots of notes, but um, the the kind of idea is that the the first I don't know if we should call it a chapter or something, but but the first part of this is uh, just basically um, exploring the, the the British Isles. Like this, this should be a new era area for for the player characters, at least from a supernatural point of view, uh, for for basically everyone. To, to establish themselves, so their their sire might uh, send them out to to score scour, scour or range the, <laughs> the lands. Like yeah, we we heard about this place called Wales. Have any of you been there? And since uh, yeah, don't 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 go to Wales yeah, because exactly. it's just you if you if you ask for directions, you'll be washing phlegm out of your hair for a fortnight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but kind of like that, and and again, this is kind of up to the storyteller and the players um, what they want to do. But but I'm thinking you, um, from from a basic perspective, you had the three pillars of role playing. You have exploration, social interaction, and uh, and combat, basically. Mm. Uh, and exploration uh, has always been one of my favorites, actually, or at least top three. Um, but <laughs> so so you have this opportunity to have like okay, we have we have a new coterie who is. Um, uh, sired by some apparently fairly um, powerful vampires, since they were allowed to uh, to embrace, uh, and so they they can be sent off to to be their henchmen in this new area. So you're, you you can, depending on what your players want to do, you can have like just social interaction that they're being sent to to a, a local lord to say that yeah, what's up? We're we're the new. <laughs> Uh, meet meet the old boss. Meet meet the new boss, same as the old one. Uh, but yeah. but these guys are are running things now. And do you want to be on their good side or their bad side? And you can do something like that, or you can yeah. just send them off into the forests of of Nottingham, Nottinghamshire to to explore a bunch of stuff and and do a kind of exploration game. You can send them up to Scotland or or Wales if you if you really want to be mean to them or uh, whatever. So so the, the the first kind of part is just establishing themselves um, in in this kind of English Norman area um, because of course you still have connections down to to the mainland Europe in in modern day France since since the Norman uh, kingdom basically included parts of France or you can have just contacts that that you you throw there so i've the the first kind of i'm, I'm thinking that the uh the, the kind of prologue should run about from 1066 to uh to 1095 
just just setting the characters up, getting the players used to the characters and and stuff like that, yeah. and, and just general prologue. Um, my my next kind of of uh, year or, or setting would be that the uh, the characters are sent to uh, to Paris in 1150, which is the year of the founding of the University of Paris, which is oh. one of the oldest. And and again, I'm I haven't really figured out what exactly they're supposed to do there, but but again, it's it's a perfect opportunity uh, to use a historical event as a background setting because you're going to have this this huge event. You're going to have people from all over Europe, uh, and and you're going to have um, uh, a grand new building. Uh, I don't think the original Paris University is, is still around. I think the, the oldest one is from the 13th century, but I'm not sure about that. But again, and, and you have Paris, which has catacombs and, and stuff like that. So you can you can have all these uh, vampiric uh, things going on in the background and perhaps uh, the, uh, the desires of the coterie uh, might not want the... the Founding to take place, or they might want to like cause a scene at the uh, at the event or the inauguration or, or anything like that. But uh, but but this will be a part of uh, of, of basically the the first uh, the, the the first kind of part of, of this whole chronicle, and and that is uh, again de- depending on how your players feel about it, they they basically are going to be sent on on quests from their their sires because they're they're still quite young they might not actually be released uh from from uh their what you might call it when when you're not allowed to when when you're basically not a legal adult yet as a vampire. yeah yeah exactly they're 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 still uh, fledglings who haven't been yeah. released by their sires yeah yeah um and yeah that that uh also you know um brings in something interesting which is basically uh, using historical events events as uh, places to um, to set scenarios or at least triggers for scenarios, not necessarily that the characters have to uh, be f- right in the center of these events, but that they get to experiencing in- experience them. Mm. And you both have real historical events. You also obviously have certain events in uh, vampire history. Uh, one of the great things about playing Transylvania Chronicles was that we got to be uh we got to be present at and uh, the the um, count uh, what is it called the Co- council of thorns convention mm-hmm. of thorns yeah. there we go and signatories to the formation of the camarilla which is obviously a really cool uh thing and at the same uh, this um same idea with uh the the chronicle that i'm planning to to write which is taking place in uh, flanders which is mm-hmm. today part of um mainly part of of Belgium, some of it is in in France, but the the my inspiration for that was basically I was listening to uh, a a history book on audiobooks where it was mentioned that in the High Middle Ages Flanders was the only industrialized area of Europe, and that just sort of sparked my imagination. I thought, hang on, that's interesting. So I started doing research, and it turns out that you have in Flanders at this time numerous cities that are really big for for the time period very close to each other and i thought this is a great place to set vampires and i already knew that i would have i i would really like to write a through the ages chronicle 
because I'd love Transylvania Chronicles so much. And so for me, the start po starting point is 1241, because that's very close to the starting point of Vampire 20th Anniversary Edition, which is the rules I'm going to be using. But specifically in 1241, Ypres, um, or Ypres, or <laughs> uh -huh. I think it's pronounced Ypres or something yeah, like that. Ypres. Yeah, it burned down. Uh. Uh, so I'm basically going to use that as the jumping off point for the first scenario. And then the second scenario will happen in 1270, where there's a trade war between England and Flanders. The characters are drawn into something with that. The uh, third scenario in the first book will be in 1302, with the Battle of the Golden Spurs, which was a battle between ah, yeah. the Flemish commoners and the French um, nobles, and so on and so forth. Um, so, so, you know, you can use these real-life historical events as interesting points for uh, for creating scenarios. If you don't, if you're think, sitting there thinking, okay, I need to come up with so, some scenarios, uh, you can obviously go off what uh, characters have been created, uh, what they've done, but you can also just, you know, in, in my case, I took a look uh, on Wikipedia, timeline of uh, Belgium, and then hope. Uh, so there's there's something that happened. Let me do some more research on that. Yeah, I can turn that into to a scenario. Um, so that that also ties into where to find information and and how you can do research on it. And I have to say, do not underestimate Wikipedia. Yes, anyone can edit it. Yes, it is in many cases very uh, shallow, superficial information. But you can use that as a jumping off point. You find. A mention, for example, at one point I was doing some research on um, the city of Rouen, which I've mentioned before, mm. and they, they talk about how there was this uh, leprosarium or lepra colony that was allowed to hold a fair. So I basically went to Google and I typed in leper fair Rouen, and it threw up uh, something from a book where I was allowed to read a couple of pages from that book that just gave me a ton of historical information on that. So use Wikipedia as a starting point because it's it's actually a good research and obviously the rest of the internet is then at your fingertips. Yeah, exactly. And and what Wikipedia is also good at is is citing the sources so you can always check check those out. But but yeah, I also really like using Wikipedia as a starting point and and especially if if you just want like okay, a, a fun thing happening or like, okay, what, what was this about? When did this king die or whatever? It's, it's really useful. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, that's, uh, let's see if, if I'm, uh, yeah, so, so the, uh, the, the last kind of uh, part or, or event of, of the, the chapter one or it might be uh, chapter two is, uh, is going to be the, uh, the British earthquake of, 1275 because in, in 1275 uh, there was uh, a, an earthquake uh, somewhere we don't really know exactly because we well we do have quite a lot of records so we do know that it happened uh, but it's uh, we, we don't know where the epicenter was but it was somewhere in the in, in southern uh, southern England so you have uh, you had uh, the church of St. Michael at Glastonbury Tor uh, was was destroyed during this event and there there are lots of uh, records of, of uh, houses and churches falling over and people being killed uh, yeah oh i just want to say something mm. when when you mentioned that this is actually a really good uh, thing because 
As frustrating as it can be sometimes to not have historical information, it can also be quite liberating yeah. because it just says earthquake. You can then, because there's not that much information about it, not worry about um, about how historically accurate you want it to be because we don't know so much about it. Um, it's the same. I'm, I'm writing something for Storytales right now uh, that where some of it takes place uh, in the, the city of Aachen during a siege, and it says that a third of the city was flooded by the besiegers. It doesn't say what third of the city, so I've been able to choose what third yeah. of the city was flooded based on what I want my game to... Uh, the, the scenario to yeah, be. Exactly. And, yeah, you can and always that's... move around which part of the city that's the lowest and which would be flooded, because... Mm. Yeah, exactly. You can always change the topography a bit. Yeah. Uh, so, but but yeah. So so we have the we have the twelve seventy five earthquake, and and just like you mentioned, we we don't really know, or we do know where where it was, but uh, but we don't know why it happened. If you want something other than just a natural earthquake, so uh, yeah. So so again, kind of like. Uh, this this is probably the part of, of um, the, the the chronicle where where the players and the characters figure out that uh, there there is more going on than just the usual uh, vampiric kind of, of um, conflict in in general because uh, um, the idea is that they're they're starting to to realize that that something is kind of uh, opposing them so so I have this idea that that you can send and you can do this as an ongoing thing, at least for a bit in the beginning. That um, that the, the characters are sent as as emissaries or or uh, henchmen, basically for desires or perhaps um, other uh, as favors to to other uh, more uh, powerful and, and and important characters. That they are sent all over Europe, so you can have these events that. Perhaps if, if we go back to the idea of, of one of the characters being at Smeech, uh, you could perhaps have the idea that they they used to be from Romania or whatever, but uh, they haven't been there for for some quite some time because now they're established in, in England, but they still need to, to send a coterie there just to check things out for uh, for their own sire or something. So you can... It's going to be a lot of room to... Um, basically choose where you want to set uh, the this uh, the scenarios uh, but the w what's happening is uh, the, the end result is is pretty much going to be the same it doesn't matter if you're in italy or or in romania or in, in spain so so as long as you keep the uh, the story moving forwards uh, it shouldn't really matter where you set it but again we, we have the earthquake of, of 1275 which causes something to happen uh, and and of course the people and especially the the knights in the area are going to see this as some kind of sign so the the players will be sent to investigate and you can have uh you, you can have leads going pretty much in, anywhere you want as i said uh, and but but they're going to find clues and evidence that that there is something larger going on and uh, and someone opposing them, and and so you're gonna have to get this this feel that uh, are the players being opposed? Is is like the whole vampiric society of of England being opposed? Is it something that is after their their sires, perhaps? Uh, so so you're gonna have that, and and again, it's it's up to the storyteller and the players, kind of what what would fit their story best. Uh, 
Um, and, yeah. Uh, and just uh, one of the reasons that I chose uh, the 1275 uh, as, as the year was that if, if you want to send your characters abroad, uh, you can then include the, P, uh, the characters, the players, in the War of the Cow, which was... Um, <laughs> Uh, in in French, it's Guerre de la Vache, uh, which which that was sounds conflict. so much better. Yeah, it's it was a conflict between uh, uh, Prince Bishop uh, of uh, the Prince Bishop of, of Liege or uh, Liege and uh, the uh, the Bishop uh, and the Marquis and and the Marquis in uh, uh, in uh, I think it was in in Belgium. Yeah, it was in in, in Belgium. So so what happened was that. In, in 1272, uh, there was a, a, joust, a, a jousting tournament uh, in uh, the city of Sinai, uh, which is in uh, Belgium. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, it's basically in the smack dab middle of, of Belgium. And of course, you can move this uh, if you want to. Uh, but what happened was that, and again, we talked about how important uh, jousting tournaments can be since the world. Oh, yeah. The uh, he, it was a thief, and we know the name of the thief because uh, there, there are still legal records around. Uh, he was called Engrant de Jalhey. Uh, probably according to that name. Uh, but he was caught and ordered to pay a fine to avoid uh, being uh, being sentenced to death. Um, and and of course for stealing a cow. Um, so he he did actually pay, but the the bailiff's men. Uh, for some kind of clerical reason or others, more supernatural reason, <laughs> if you want to, uh, yep. they they instead uh, executed him anyway. Uh, and so, and here we get an interesting uh, idea of uh, of medieval society, and we've touched upon this before. Uh, the peasant lord, uh, the, the the guy who was the the feudal lord of ignorant, he demanded recompense uh, because you you killed my peasant. Only I'm allowed <laughs> to do that, basically, uh, and so this this turned into quite a big war, and and he he gathered his friends, and um, and uh, the opposing guys gathered their their friends, and they had uh, they had a war that went on for about six years. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So so you had you had a, a battle um, in uh, you, you you have battles with with hundreds, and in in some cases more than a thousand dead. So you, you have, uh, and, and considering the time period, that's a lot of dead people. Uh, oh, yes. So the, these, these are huge battles. And, and so I'm, I'm thinking that if, if we're going to do a bit of, of thinking and a bit of real politics, then, then I'm guessing that there might be more uh, than just a dead peasant behind this. And, and someone probably wanted to use this as an excuse to, uh, to, to just start a fight basically and uh, but but the interesting thing is then then in 1278 when uh, when the war ended uh, the the status was was just like it was before so nothing really <laughs> changed um, so but but again it's it's a funny and interesting thing that you can you can have as a background and and again what what this is all leading up to is that the, the players can do a bit of, of exploration um, and um, uh, and uh, and also combat and social interaction if if that's what you do but it's it's going to lead up to them again finding that there there is more evidence that that something is opposing them besides just the normal vampiric um, vampiric bs politics basically 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, we, we're talking about uh, about linking to real historic events and also uh, how you can change them. Because one one thing that's important in in doing a through the ages chronic chronicle is obviously the concept of historical accuracy but also versus how much research are you really going to get into mm. because yeah. i remember my wife doing some some research for just basic downtime for our uh, current transylvania chronicle and at one point just uh, I, she she uh, she went to me and she said all right that's it uh, this is a game about vampires, not hist- uh, not uh, Hungarian kings and what they do. So I'm just going to stop researching Hungarian kings uh, because you know she she she'd fallen down the rabbit hole of apparently and and this was presented in the game shorthand and it sounded really interesting. They were getting into some really interesting stuff, but it's also a matter of yeah, how much time are you going to use on historical research? Also, I mean, for example, for someone like me and, and you, we we already have a lot of historical knowledge, mm. so we don't need to do that much research. But it's also a matter of how much your characters expect in uh, in the area of historical uh, accuracy, both with real-world history and vampire history. Uh, I mean, obviously, every, everyone's going to expect that when it comes to vampire history, things are going to shake out a bit different. For example, when we played Transylvania Chronicles the first time, we had a Tsimish in our group who went to the um, Convention of Thorns, and uh, when it was said that the Giovanni were not allowed to join the Camarilla because of what they'd done to Cappadocius, committed Diablerian, right. pretty much destroyed the clan, he went, then how come the Tremere are allowed to join the Camarilla, considering what they did to the Salubrians, the Saulot? And so eventually he managed to get it so that the Tremere would still join the Camarilla, but they were not allowed to be princes. And that was written into the document, oh, the founda- yeah, founding yeah. document of the Camarilla. Um, so there is there is that sort of thing, but there's also the, the whole historical accuracy. And I mean, I like historical accuracy to a certain point. One of the reasons why I want to play it a through the ages chronicle is to experience these historic events but definitely i mean it's like uh, throwing a pebble into a stream yeah you can have some some ripples but the stream's going to flow no matter what so i i'm i'm of the opinion that you want you want a, a good amount of historical accuracy and the big sweeps should be the same i mean in your in your game london will end up the capital of England, yeah, exactly. no matter what the yeah. characters do, yeah. um, and you're never going to have a a Wales that does not become part of Great Britain, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but again, it it might change a, a few things. Like for example, if we take the, the Paris University, like perhaps you you uh, because one one thing that I feel when when you're playing historical events is that, um, and and again, it's to a certain degree. But but if if I'm uh, if I play in a historical setting and I can't really affect my surroundings, then then I oh, don't yes. really have any play agency, and I'm I'm not really then I'm just a spectator. I could just as well be watching a movie. So and, yeah, exactly. And, the the player agency is so important. Yeah, so so for example, your um, your thing there with the Tremere, I think that's a that's a perfect example because it's it's not like they're they've been thrown out of the Camarilla or that they're uh, that uh, everything is completely different, but it's it's still a very uh, very important thing that, that that character managed to put through into uh, the charters of, of the Camarilla. 
and and so and then I feel the same. Like for example, with with the University of Paris, perhaps the 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 new building that was supposed to be inaugurated in 1150 burnt down because of of scheming vampires. So you had to wait <laughs> wait a decade until you could uh, you could open it up again. So in in the year 1900, you're still going to have a University of Paris, but it's going to be slightly different. It it might be on a different place. Uh, because they would have to find a new area to build it in and stuff like that. And and this is also one of the reasons why, I'm going to see this later on, uh, why I've chosen to have uh, not, not like the really big parts. One of the reasons why I chose to end um, the, the, the kind of prologue in 1095 is that that's the year before the First Crusade. So you could ha- perhaps have some downtime if you wanted that with, with the players being invo- involved in that. But it's not actually something you take part of, so you don't have to worry about them them changing stuff. So so you have more freedom as a player and as a storyteller uh, to run around because no one cares about what happened during the War of the Cow, uh, except all of the thousands of people who died. But <laughs> but again, it's it's something you can play around with, um, and and I feel that that's if if you're gonna have a historical setting, you're gonna have to have some kind of of room uh, for for the players to do uh, to do fun stuff uh, which um, kind of brings me to to that that's kind of part of uh, the, the end of part one or, um, or or the first so so we're gonna have a bit of a time skip um, until the year uh, 1361 which uh, most uh, Swedes and or at least a few Swedes and a few Danes know because that's that's when then and Listeners who have paid attention uh, will recognize it as well because I mentioned it before. Uh, that's the year of the Danish invasion of the Swedish island of Gotland, um, and and again <laughs> we we have something that uh, that I want to use as a background. Uh, and you might want to change the date a bit because this was in uh, in in the middle of the summer, so we're going to have really short nights and uh, or short yeah short nights for the vampires to be active too. I don't know. Move it to to the autumn or something, if if that's uh, or, or the spring, if 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 you want to. No one's gonna care about that. Uh, but <laughs> again, we we have this event that allows for for vampiric characters uh, to do things in the background. Like you can you can have them be a part of the invading, or not necessarily a part of, but just traveling with the invading Danish army. Or since uh, Visby, the king capital, so to speak, of Gotland uh, was a Hanseatic city. If your characters have connections to that, they can be there for some kind of for that reason, and they are being caught up in, in this uh, kind of mini-war or, or this invasion. Uh, but what I wanted to do was some kind of, of mystery, almost like a, a, not necessarily a crime, but, but not a crime drama, but, but some kind of mystery where where strange things is, is going on, and and Gotland is a good place for that because we we have uh, it's it's one of the places in Sweden where we have the most churches per mm. both, both per capita and like per, per square mile as well, uh, because the entire island is uh, is well uh, oh, Kalksten, what's it, 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 the It's the good. Oh, uh, limestone. Yeah, limestone. limestone. So, so you you have access to a lot of easy uh, building materials, uh, mm. and what you also have uh, are a lot of uh, limestone caves. So the, I think it's 
the second longest cave in Sweden is on Gotland, and it's called the Lumelunda Grottan, the Lumelunda Cave. Um, and, and I just wanted to throw it in there because uh, way back when, when I was younger, I, I read uh, uh, I, I read a Swedish crime novel which takes place in, in Gotland, and they use uh, the Lumelunda Caves as a setting, uh, and, and it's being used for, it, it's supposed to be the local biker gang who uh, <laughs> uses it to, to stash drugs, I think it is. But the, the thing is that if, if you've ever actually been there, which I have, uh, because my stepdad is, is a spelunker and, and so we, we've gone spelunking in those caves, um, you, you can't really do that because it's, it's not like these huge open uh, cavernous rooms or corridors in uh, what, what has happened throughout the, the millennia and eons is that the water has um, hollowed out the limestone, so you basically have this, yeah. this winding path. Uh, and, and it's described in, at one point in that book, uh, the main character, he accidentally gets lost in, uh, in the dark caverns of the Lumelunda cave, and he's worried about falling down into chasms, and he's heard stories about tourists getting lost in there and, and never being found and stuff like that, which is all bullshit because that's not the kind of cave it is. Uh, <laughs> but, but kind of like you can still use it as, as make make the caves a bit bigger and there are some winding paths and dead ends and stuff like that. Um, but but you're not going to be lost there for days, uh, at least not if un, unless you get hurt. But, but in the world of darkness, that cave can be so much bigger and you can hide whatever you want there. It could be... Um, Perhaps just the, uh, the the lair or haven for for someone like Gutska, the Salt Queen that we talked about in the Transylvania. Oh yeah. Or or it could be somewhere where you hide uh, a religious artifact or, or whatever. Uh, perhaps you wanted to hide stuff there from the invading Danish army. Um, and and so you have you you have the environment for uh, for for a cool mystical setting on the Isle of Gotland um, because you you have this. Uh, natural phenomena called called rauks, which are I think they're just called stands in or um, in in English. Like you you have this huge, um, uh, you you have the no stacks stack formations of, of basically when when you have uh, harder rocks uh, in in between softer rocks and then you're oh the yeah that's right yeah uh, you you. Uh, the, the the softer rock is, is worn away and you get this standing kind of like pillars or, or archways uh, and, and you have a lot of, of myth building around this because there's one that kind of looks like a face if you, you're a bit drunk and you squint uh, so <laughs> he's, he's called the Hornbuk's Gubben the, the uh, old man of the Hornburg uh, and and so you have this, you, you can use this uh, as kind of like, yeah, are these naturals, why are these here and, and you can you can basically do a bit of a, a, a supernatural mystery on, on the island of Gotland. Uh, and yeah. again, the, the players is going to find something that moves the story forwards. Mm. Uh, and that jump also leads into an interesting thing, which is thinking about um, you know how many how many games are you going to run, yeah. and when in in-game time are you going to have them, and and how much time downtime and everything. I mean, it it one of the things that it really depends on is obviously your uh, group mm. how often are you going to meet how often can you meet i know of groups that meets once a week and i find that just amazing mm. 
Uh, I used to do that back when I was working and the rest of the group was either, uh, you know, I was working and living at home and the, re the rest of the group was either still going to high school or some other high school equivalent thing or also working. So, uh, so it was basically, you know, we, we didn't have that many responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I... I would have serious trouble imagining the people that I play with getting together once a week. We're happy if we can get together like once every three weeks, once every month. So that's all obviously going to inform the amount of games that you can play because if you're playing it through the Chronicles, sorry, sorry, through the Ages Chronicle, and you can only meet once a month, but, but each game... Uh, each scenario is only 10 years apart. There's not really going to be that much through the ages. Yeah, so, yeah, so you, yeah. you, you set the sort of, of, of points there. Um, and that, that, that also, you know, come, leads to a very, very important thing, which is the whole downtime thing. You really, really need to consider how are you going to do downtime? Are you going to do it as vignettes? Are you going to do it as this is what happens? Is anyone going to react to it? Are you going to throw in little, little, uh, options. How's how's downtime going to be to be handled? Uh, and and that's something you also should probably talk to the players with beforehand, so they know what they're getting into with respects to downtime. Uh, the way we do it in our current Transylvania Chronicles is um, my our storyteller, my wife says, okay, there's going to be this amount of downtime. What is your character's plans? And then. Uh, one player might send her a wall of text about his plans, and one player, <clears throat> me, might just talk about his character's um, plans while we're out taking a nice walk or going shopping. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but it's it's basically, you know, you, you talk and she incorporates that, and right now we have the... Um, the Mongol invasion of Transylvania. So obviously everything is about that and how are we going to plan for that because we know they're they're coming, the advantages of having a Malkavian uh, who can see the future. Um, so, so yeah, the, the Malkavian had a vision that the Mongols were coming, so he decided that uh, he's going to be building a new wall around uh, the city that he's the um, the prince of and it's going to be the greatest wall that Transylvania has ever seen and the Mongols are going to pay for it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, because that, that always works out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, but yeah, you, so you need to sort of figure that, those things out before you get started so that the players also know how many scenarios are they signing up for. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is kind of where, where I started to, to uh, get into trouble with this or, or starting to find some problems because I could easily do just a billion of these like yeah let's let's play every year uh, of, of the 14th century because there are so many cool things going on but again you you kind of have to limit yourself so i haven't and and i feel i i kind of stephen kinged on on this assignment basically because i, I, <laughs> I found a, a really great start for for everything but but then i realized that how the fuck am i supposed to end this in 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 a high note so so i have some ideas and and i just noticed how long this episode is but but <laughs> i uh, again kind of kind of what i wanted to do is is that um the 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 next the next part of of this campaign um is is that um now again this is this is going to be the first the, the 13th 6th one episode is going to be the first episode where uh, or not again it could be uh, but it's it's the first episode where uh, where the players are are basically all of their own and for whatever reasons that suit the campaign 
they they don't really have access to their sires. They can't just run back to to their sires and say, "Please help us because we we need yeah. someone bigger and better from us." Um, and uh, and and one thing that you could do again, a lot of players or storytellers choices is to have um, the the sires disappearing. Uh, and and I wanted it to be in different ways. So and and it's going to be all over. Um, over a long period of time, so perhaps one of them is just uh, like I'm. I'm gonna go to Jerusalem and and pray for for a century. See you, see you next year, or see see you when I get back. Or or someone is just stop answering uh, letters and and carrying pigeons and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and so uh, again to build up that there's there's something big opposing them. Uh, and I'm I'm not gonna go into to. Uh, Exactly all of the of, uh, of, of the gears where you can set things, but I basically um, I, I wanted to set uh, one uh, or the next episode after the thirteen sixty one episode in the early fifteen hundreds, uh, and mm. that is on purpose uh, we, uh, not to deal with with the convention of thorns. But rather the uh, the fallout of it, like how do they as characters react? Do they join the Camarilla? Do they become independent? Uh, do they do they clash with their sires, the ones that are still around, with with what they're supposed to do? Uh, and and I feel that in a lot of ways it it can be more interesting to deal with the kind of the the aftermath of a great event yeah. rather than having the characters be a part of it, because then then you get into the dilemma. Of, of either they're just going to be spectators or they're going to fuck it up and then you're going to have to deal with all of that fallout, so to speak. Um, yeah, and I mean, especially the formation of the Camarilla and the whole Anarch Revolt, mm-hmm. that, is, that is what, since you know that you're going to be playing through that, you're going to have to make some considerations as to what group you end up with. But because let's imagine that you have a group consisting of a La Sombra uh, and a, a Tremere and a Ventrue and a Giovanni Cappadocian, mm. those are going to go in very different directions yeah. once uh, the Camarilla is formed. So are you going to say, all right, let's see what happens, risking a complete fracture of the group? Are you going to say, okay, you, when you create your characters, you have to make sure that you know which side of the conflict you're going to end up with? Are you going to say, well, I want you to create characters that are going to be Sabbat, that are going yeah, to be Camarilla, exactly. that are going to be independent. That is a very important thing. And also, now I mentioned a Giovanni Cappadocian. Mm. I mean, if you have someone who wants to play a, a Cappadocian, yeah. how do you handle that? Are you okay with, well, we have the last Cappadocian in existence in our group, or are you going to say, nope, you're going to have, if you want to play a Cappadocian, you're going to have to create someone who is uh, close enough, who's either from the Giovanni family or close enough with them that they can trans transfer over to becoming a Giovanni rather than staying a Cappadocian. These are things that you need to have um, figured out before you start the game um, because of of the fact that you know that it's coming. Uh, that's uh, that, that means you can avoid tr- trouble later with trying to figure out how it happened because we had that problem in our first Transylvania Chronicles game because the game started before Transylvania Chronicles came out. It was basically my wife getting a hold of Transylvania by night and thinking, okay, this could be fun for a Dark Ages game. And then Transylvania Chronicles came out and she said, all right, 
let's play this because it's set in Transylvania. You already have your characters. But somebody was playing a Cappadocian and the decision was made for him, okay, create a new character that's going to fit in with the group and then we'll give your character a good death scene. I mean, make it it dramatic and appropriate. Kill him off with style. Yeah, exactly. And, and this was kind of my my thoughts of, of having the session zero and having the uh, desires of the the uh, characters being created by the storyteller uh, using the player characters as a basis because then they yeah. have an amount of control of, of choosing choosing it. Uh, but but yeah, again, the, the early fifteen hundreds because you have a lot of interesting things going on there. There you have the peasants war in. Um, wars rather in uh, in what is now Germany with with a lot of peasant uprisings. You have the reformation. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, the the exploration and and the colonization and occupation of of the Americas uh, and stuff like that. So so you can have again you have a lot of, of opportunity to to uh, do a lot of different stuff depending on what your characters uh, want to do. Um, and and so so. I'm, Basically, and, and this is kind of again with my Stephen King moment, um, and and this is like not not just how do you end your chronicle, it's it's where do you end it? Do you want uh, do do you want room enough for it to expand in say an an end of days scenario? Do you want to like keep it open uh, open ended for for the players to uh, to keep on playing even after the uh, the chronicle is done? Uh, and and so my uh, my end point, uh, and we can we can go there, and then we can work backwards. Is um, is is I wanted it to end in in fairly modern times because again it's it's a through the ages chronicle. Yeah. Uh, and and I wanted it to um, to to kind of have this um, opportunity for for a new and uh, kind of like. Closing one door but opening another. So, uh, so I wanted I wanted the, the kind of fil- final showdown or, or the climax to take place in the new world because it, that's going to be mm. uh, and and uh, new basically a new world to explore for for vampires or at least for European vampires. Uh, but I still wanted it to to take place in um, uh, in in a time period where it makes sense. For there to be at least a few vampires uh, in in the the Americas, because like if, if we think colonial times, you're gonna have space for for like a vampire in the in the British colonies, for example. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's not gonna work. Uh, and and I also wanted kind of an, an epic setting for uh, for the final showdown. So uh, so the final final act uh, and final scene as well, probably. Is, is going to be uh, early 1930s in um, in New York because that's when Empire State Building is is being built. Oh, uh, and, and having having this uh, this this climatic showdown between uh, the player characters uh, and their opponents that they're probably gonna figure out beforehand, but but now they're finally gonna face them down in in the kind of half constructed. Uh, skyscraper that is just towering above the rest of the city and so you have the old and the new meeting uh, and almost conflicting against each other um, so so that's and it's it's after world war one so you can again deal with those stuff so you can have 
uh, have everything ending with with new storm clouds on the horizon in the form of World War II, uh, and like how do we how do we expand into kind of bookending it? Like yeah, we started out yeah. exploring uh, England uh, and that those areas around there, and now we're in New York. What are we gonna do now? Uh, just going to have to be really careful that there's not a gangrel there whose uh, fight form for protein is a gorilla because yeah, that's, that's just going to get silly. Or, or it might just be the perfect reason for, for the Kinko movie. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so um, and, and again, there are some, um, you can have like one or two um, drop downs in during, during each of the century. So, so you had the, uh, uh, the early 15th century, you have, uh, or sorry, the early 16th century, you you have the the 17th century where you have the whole of uh, a lot of exploration. Uh, yeah. You have uh, like if if you really want to do, you could you could send the uh, the characters as uh, emissaries to to Japan before it's finally closed down. In, in oh yeah, season. that could be really interesting. Uh, and and again, I I want this to be kind of a a campaign. Where you explore a bunch of stuff, and, mm. and but you're also gonna find this kind of um, it, it's kind of the old joke that that when when uh, Neil Armstrong went to the moon and he found a rock that says "Hello, my name is Thor Heyerdahl. I came here on my fantastic rock." <laughs> uh, so uh, those of you who get it will think it's really funny. The rest of you, Google it. Uh, <laughs> but but, but so I, I want the characters to find that someone or something is always one step ahead of them. Um, and and uh, or, or at least traces of something like that. Uh, and, yeah. and what I want, and, and again, this kind of ties back to how I solved the problem of how do we get uh, the player characters to A, be the ones that are actually going around and doing stuff, and, um, and B, how do we get something that is, that is uh, an actual... Uh, challenge to them that they j just don't steamroll it and my idea is that uh, and and again I'm, I'm gonna leave this up to the to the uh, to the storyteller how how exactly they want to do this but the idea is that um, at, at the same time or at around the same time that uh, the the player characters are embraced uh, by the coterie of their sires a rival coterie to that also took the took the opportunity to embrace a bunch of people, and since they have a conflict with um, with the sires, they're gonna have a conflict. It's it's the whole like uh, kind of a blood feud um, going on. Uh, the the whole uh, the the sins of my father's like yeah, uh, ah. my, our sires were were fighting your sires, and so we're gonna fight and oppose you. And you can have like yeah, very thematic. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and and you can have the the opposing coterie could could have kidnapped or even uh, diablerized the desires of uh, of the coterie to just give them an edge uh, power wise, but also to uh, as an excuse to remove uh, a few of the or perhaps even all of the uh, desires. You could also, of course, have this kind of like a a rescue scenario that they they realize that okay, they they brought their desires to. Uh, to to New York in in 1930 because they're gonna do some kind of, of ritual uh, and they need elder blood for that or or whatever um, and, and and you can you can have these different drop off points or or just points in history where where they run into 
uh, not necessarily the, the posing or, or again you, you could have that like you you have the person kind of do the the whole Moriarty thing from the the Sherlock uh, series with Benedict uh, Cumberbund uh, that, that <laughs> you meet you you have actually met uh, the the big bad evil of the campaign but you didn't notice them because you weren't paying attention and and you could you could kind of have that or you can have an open rivalry if that's what you want again a lot of storytellers and players choice here uh, so one one kind of like uh, and and again an interesting backdrop that I would like to use is is the great stink of uh, 1858 I think Ooh, it was and and it's basically yeah. uh, again since since we're in England the, the city of London turned quite literally into a cesspool uh, and and you had cholera outbreaks and you had um, people like the rich people left for the countryside in the summer because when it got hot. The, the city on all of the uh, canals and stuff like, that you had that led all the waste water into the Thames literally stank up the place during the summer because it, it was so... Um, because It was an open sewer. Sorry? It was an open sewer. Yeah, exactly. And and so in, in 1851, uh, in, in July and August, uh, you, you had what was called the Great Stink when, when there was so much basically shit everywhere uh, that that you really couldn't stand it and and there were outbreaks of, of cholera and different other diseases uh, and and that started the whole um, building sewers in london and just fixing the problem and again i feel that this is a perfect uh, background for uh, for a, a vampire uh, game because you have you have death and you have uh, misery and you have great uh, building projects with with the starting the construction of the sewer so you can have people running around in in half finished sewers with dead ends leading mm. into uh, tunnels and and caves if you want that kind of stuff um and and it's it's also rather disgusting which can be funny uh <laughs> but uh, again this um this will probably be the final episode before the 1930 uh, showdown where where you finally have this um, this this big meeting between whatever has been opposing the the uh, the, the coterie and and just having them fight off uh, something and if you want to do more supernatural perhaps the, the opposing coterie are or Bali or, or devil worshippers and they want to uh, summon something big and evil or or they might just be really annoyed that uh, their sires have always been. Uh, cooler, or the, the players' sires have always been cooler than their sires, and it's just that kind of rivalry and, and stuff like that. But Yeah, and you bring up a good point uh, with, should there be a definite end point, or are you just going to end the chronicle, because now we're in modern times, we can't go on anymore, you've become too powerful, stuff like that, and I'm always in favor of a definitive end point, where you say, this is the end of the chronicle, and it is a clear uh, full stop of it but there's also the idea of should the players know what the end point is because I've had mm-hmm. a couple of games where where people knew what the end point was um, when when I was a player in um, in uh, Werewolf the Wild West and when I ran the Great Pendragon campaign and in Werewolf the Wild West our storyteller, once again my wife mm-hmm. <laughs> she said basically said we're going to play through this and your characters are going to die at Wounded Knee that is going to be the end of the chronicle. And so, I mean, we had a really great chronicle. And then we came to Wounded Knee. Uh, I assume most of our uh, listeners will, will know the tragedy of that. And our characters 
died rescuing our kinfolk, our mortal family, oh, from being slaughtered. Yeah. But we but we died and we died well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we we had we had one uh, character that died after uh, charging a Gatling gun nest, shooting silver bullets and slaughtering everyone in it. Uh, we had one guy die uh, after basically creating a mound of enemies that tried to get to our kinfolk, things like that. Uh, and in the Great Pendragon campaign, it was it was also, well, the end point is the Battle of Camelan Field, where everyone except one of you is going to die. And that also says that you can have a chronicle that ends with everyone dying if it's done right. Transylvania Chronicles, when we played that the first time, we transitioned that into um, the end times, Gehenna, mm. because the books were being published there. And we had five players. We ended up with three characters dead, one character uh, jumping into the Egyptian underworld, it was a follow-off set, and, and spending his time there, and one character, my character, making a deal with the devil to become mortal, and living out the rest of his mortal life. Um, so so you kind of have to... I, I, I really prefer the idea of a definite endpoint where the characters can say, this is it, because yeah. you, as you brought up, taking out the, enem uh, the enemy that have, that have been their, um, their enemy throughout the, the chronicle... Now that that's done, sure the characters still exist. You could still go on, but this is like this is an endpoint. It's it's I mean it it's it's you can say and they lived or unlived happily ever after. You can say the yeah. adventure continues, but but we're not talking about that anymore. And that also leads into the whole idea of should we have an overarching plot, or is it just going to yeah. be a series of things that happen, or is it going to be somewhere in between? Where, for example, in the um, the Flanders Chronicle that I'm working uh, on, there is an overarching plot that the characters get gets introduced to uh, slowly during the first book, the first four scenarios in the first book. Mm. The characters understand what is going on, and then the very last scenario in the very last book is going to be them uh, facing the, the sort of problem that has been behind the overarching plot and either overcoming it or dying. So you have this very, very finite setting. And then each book has a theme. The first book, you have a, a definite, uh, what you might call a season villain, like you have in, in much of, of modern series uh, started in Buffy, where uh, in yeah. these four scenarios, there's a definite uh, villain, and you face him in the fourth scenario. And then the second uh, book uh, I, I plan uh, is, is called Rise of the Camarilla, which is all about the Anarch Revolt, the Rise of the Camarilla, what that means. Book three is then called The Old World, where you focus on the new world has opened up, but what does that mean for the characters? Because I'm really focusing on the setting of Flanders and Belgium. Okay. So the characters aren't going to travel that much. So what does it mean for them? And then the, the fourth book, I just wonder if you can you can guess what sort of uh, is the focus for the for the various chapters, because I've, I've with that one, I've, I've written some more notes. And the first scenario is called Heart of Darkness. Yeah, you're, you're gonna go down to Africa and, and colonize stuff because Belgium exactly. was they're, they're uh, a horrible. Uh, Leopold II of of, yeah. uh, of of Belgium was was one of the biggest assholes of history. So, so yeah, <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and so the second the second scenario is called In Flanders Field. Yeah, so World War One. Then third scenario is called Resist and Bite. Uh, that's that's gonna be World War Two. 
Yes, exactly. And then the fourth scenario is then going to be the end of it all in, in modern times. Yeah. So so it, it we're going with, with a, a kind of a theme here. Um, but yeah, so so I, I like... I, I really think that in addition to seeing characters grow and experiencing real world and vampire history, an overarching plot with a definite endpoint is one of the great things about um, a Through the Ages Chronicle because you can look at the endpoint and say, this leads all the way back to the start. Mm. In your case, we have defeated the people who were our enemies from the very beginning. We've finally done that. So that's something that I think is interesting. But I can see that there might be other groups who are okay with just, you know, playing these characters, having uh, um, scenarios that don't necessarily fit an overarching plot. It's just my preference. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's that's kind of what I wanted to leave open to, to the players and the storyteller themselves to decide. Because, uh, like you mentioned, that, that you uh, went into an endgame scenario uh, game with or end times game with with your Transylvania Chronicle characters, and and I'm thinking that if if the players and and storyteller wanted to do something similar with with uh, the character from this campaign, uh, then then they could probably be do that, um, or or like I'm I'm thinking I'm if if you want to do um, if you want to do like flashback scenarios where you're like yeah okay oh, I'm, I'm, i have this idea for something that takes place in in 1775 uh so d- w- would you like to see what your characters would have done in that scenario or something like that so so again i, I don't want to uh to uh to to like tie everything up too much but but again leave room because um i i feel that going into uh to, to the modernites too much is there, there are so many other things that are happening at the same time, so you would have to take that into account. Uh, but at the, at the same time, uh, if if you leave off in the in the 1930s, uh, when when the U.S. is is having a, a growth period after the the depression and everything like that, and you have a lot of immigrants, uh, that's mm. that's kind of a it, it, it's kind of like you you can have these what if scenarios if you want to, uh, but 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 again, I, I wanted it to end uh, somewhere where where the the ending would be unique enough, so it's not just oh that's that just just during World War Two when everything else happened, it's just gonna <laughs> yeah. go away into the middle of um, of of everything, um, and and also it's it's again it's an exploration of of a new setting, uh, which which I wanted to be one of the themes of um, of this. Uh, campaign um, and and I also think that it, it can be used uh, because if if you have and and correct me if I'm wrong but but I, I feel that if you have a game that is set in just one place at all of the time sooner or later the uh, the characters are going to solve all of the problems that are there they're just going to be too powerful for local uh, uh, crime lords or uh, and they, any attempt at invasion is probably going to fail and so on and so on. But if you force the characters to move to like, yeah, they're being sent as, as emissaries to Japan, but on their way there, um, half of the fleets of ships uh, get get lost in a storm, so they don't have all of the resources that they planned on bringing there, uh, then then they're gonna have to deal with that, and and you have um, you, you have kind of a way to to uh, bring down the 
uh, or, or rather raise up the difficulty for them and, and make it a bit of a challenge. Uh, or, yeah. or perhaps that. So, but yeah, why why are the players themselves going to to America instead of just sending their henchmen? Well, perhaps uh, the their uh, their entire uh, place got got ruined in or their their havens and whatever uh, got bombed during World War One because there was actually German bombings of of uh, uh, English cities in World War One with with zeppelins. So you can you yeah. can have you can have that and so fuck uh, we we went into torpor for five years and what happened it was a fucking world war <laughs> and, and all of my all of my peasants are dead when I wake up holy shit Where, yeah where's a and I mean, when you need one so so you can have yeah. this kind of like um, almost resetting points if you want to I I wouldn't recommend just taking everything away because that's no then, then it's just gonna be a quest for for getting all of the stuff back but but have it like yeah so yeah you, you've you've done this this happened uh you did this during the 30 years war which means that you can keep these resources but unfortunately uh now uh, pomerania belongs to sweden what are you going to do about it yeah but that's that's also a rather interesting thing because uh during such a game there's the whole concept of the evolution of backgrounds mm. i mean are you going to charge experience points for backgrounds or are you going to let characters build up the backgrounds through the choices they make, through the opportunities presented to them during game, and are you going to let them lose backgrounds? And I'm, I'm a big in favor of, for example, um, when you're playing and uh, the Black Death hits in Europe, you're going to lose some backgrounds to that also so that you get an idea of why the Anarch Revolt yeah. happened. Yeah. Well, everybody's losing their stuff. Um, and, and I'm also very big in the favor of not charging... Uh, experience points for backgrounds, at least most backgrounds, simply because I like the idea of characters role-playing and and seizing opportunities in order to increase their, their backgrounds and eventually over time they are going to be very very powerful and influential but that's that's fine and I mean sure you can end up in the situation where where you're going to have trouble with that. Why? Why don't they just use their backgrounds? But at the same time, you can you can set up scenarios where that's not that useful. And also, you can also maybe plan scenarios where you say, okay, create your ghouls. Then this this gaming session is your character's ghouls going out and doing things yeah. just so that you're going to try something something different, something new. But um, but it all leads into also the the setting because. Um, your uh, scenario involves a lot of travel and the characters may be having a base but exploring a lot whereas my idea focuses them very much in Flanders and that presents two different ways of doing it because in your case they're always experiencing something new in my case I have to find out a way to always have a challenge for them and have something that's interesting and I can't explain what I've done without massively spoiling <laughs> the, the, the chronicle but there is something there but I but I can when, when we you get can to illustrate... a thousand patrons then then Jacob is going to to release his book to them <laughs> <laughs> but I mean in Transylvania Chronicles I'm not spoiling anything by saying the big bad is Kupala hmm. so a lot of of side things are happening but the f- main focus is always on opposing and stopping and eventually either binding or possibly even destroying Kupala. And that is such a monumental task that it doesn't matter how powerful you become, it's always a challenge, yeah. which I think is, 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 really, uh, is really cool. Um, so, so you have to, I mean, when you present the setting, you, you also have to sort of give some ideas as to what's going to happen. If, I, if you say, well, we start in England and you may build up a power base in England, but expect travel. 
then the characters will know not to tie themselves down too much. Whereas if I present Flanders and I say, this is going to take place mostly in Flanders, they're going to really focus on uh, the one place where they are going to stay and what, what happens there. And both things are, are can lead to really, really great chronicles. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, we, we solved our, uh, the ideas in, in, in different ways. Uh, and as you mentioned, and, and I think the, the biggest challenge is, is just figuring out how you want to solve those problems and, and then kind of work backwards from, from that. Uh, Don Don Rosa, the, the um, uh, Donald Duck, and, and most famously Uncle Scrooge uh, writer and, and um, uh, comic artist, he, he and Chili Grower, yeah, Chili Grower. He he says that he he often starts with with the ending panel, which shows the ducks kind of like riding donkeys into the sunset in a desert or or on a Viking ship or whatever, and and then he tries to figure out that yeah, how the hell did they end up here? And then all of a sudden <laughs> you have a story. Uh, so, so that's. I, I don't know if if my idea would have been better if I did something like that, but but I, I went the other way around. Like, what is a good starting point? Uh, and then I started working from there, and then I realized that I I needed somewhere to to end it as well. And and I, I think I'm I'm actually quite satisfied with with my Empire State Building New York ending because it yeah it, it bookends and and it allows for for a new world to conquer. Uh, and if you would like, you can always use the coterie as NPCs in a modern day setting. Yeah. And and also, I mean, because it's going to be a through the ages thing, one of the things you can also, you also need to be aware of is, is well, what happens to the place if you tie it to a specific mm-hmm. place? For example, if you say, all right, we're going to start in Viking times and we're going to start in Scandinavia and you look around and you see, ah, Ribe is one of the biggest cities, then that's what we're going to focus on. Uh, yeah, the problem is that modern day Ribe is a tiny city yeah. in Denmark. It is, and, and it has not, so it, it has nothing really to offer. So you're going to end up with these ancient, powerful characters tied to a place that is just like, huh? Whereas if you say, okay, let's start in Hamburg. Mm. Hamburg in uh, the Dark Ages setting is, it's a decent sized city, but it is definitely not the kind of city that Lübeck is it, uh, in, in the relationship with these two. Hamburg is the lesser city, but it becomes the second biggest city in uh, Germany, and it becomes a very big and powerful uh, city. So, so we're doing some research on the, the, the area that you set it, if you're going to focus on one specific area, can, can give you some ideas as to whether or not this is going to be viable. Or you can start at one place, for example, the Viking thing, start in yeah. Ribe, and then say, well, then we're later going to re- relocate to places like Copenhagen or Stockholm, places that get big in Scandinavia. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was just thinking that that, that if, if you do that, if you want to set your, your place in, in a place that, or your campaign in a place that was big but isn't anymore, make that a, a part of the story that like, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, now we're going to have to move away from this city because it's, it's being raised by, by the Mongols or, or burnt down by the Vikings or whatever. So how... Yeah, or just become become irrelevant yeah. like Ribe did because, I mean, there is character a- agency, but there's nothing characters can do to ensure that Ribe ever becomes an, Im- an important mm-hmm. city in Denmark simply because of these massive events in Danish history that focuses everything on Zealand and later Copenhagen. Yeah, and, and if you want to do... Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking from a character's point of view that, that if you were the Prince of Ribe in, back, I don't know, with the, the 1100s or whatever... 
you, you yeah. could, if you want to be a traditionalist, you can move your seat to perhaps Copenhagen, but you, you still yeah. call yourself the Prince of Ribe and you just claim that, that Copenhagen is a part of your princedom. But te- technically, yeah, exactly. I'm still the Prince of Ribe and, and you're in my princedom, but I'm in Copenhagen. Yeah, well, that's part of my princedom. <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a fun way to do it. Um, there's one thing when you're, especially when you're playing a campaign this long, that I would like to get your take on, and that's the whole thing uh, with let the dice fall as they may versus character immortality, or somewhere in between. Where do you stand on that with a chronicle like this? Yeah, it's I, I I'm gonna give the the boring answer and said it it rather depends, but but I <laughs> no, no but, but I, I feel yeah that, yeah I feel that. Uh, there, uh, if I know that my character is gonna live to the end, no matter what, that's that's kind of boring because it takes the, away the element of risk. Of course, yeah. with with vampires, you can risk other things, like you can have your resources taken away from you, you can have your your sire killed, or you can have if you get the child, then they can be killed and. And stuff like you can that. go into torpor, which is a very good way of, of having a consequence because yeah. you're going to miss the next hundred years. Yeah, exactly. So ex- exactly, that's that's one way of solving it. Like, yeah, okay, your character isn't dead, but you're going to have to play something else for the ne- next episode. Uh, but but on the same time, like if if you die or whatever to an to an unlucky dice roll, that's that's kind of boring. And especially if you have if if you are five players and a storyteller who has been been playing together for for three years and and you built this really close uh, your your character knows each other really well and they have a get, great yeah. report uh, and and then all of a sudden one of them dies and they're replaced by what who is it yeah, oh look it's it's our old friend gregor who who we've known for a hundred years but we just haven't mentioned before it's it yeah. kind of silly so so i feel like yeah yeah if if you can avoid like permanent death then i i probably prefer that or at least as you mentioned in your your wendigo game that have them die a good death and you can have that even if uh, i e- even if the the rest of the you know, chronicle goes on for for a couple of hundred years because then you can have like well remember our friend gregor and how he died and and we're going to have to we we're going to Make sure that he didn't die in vain, and we're gonna get vengeance on the bastard to kill him, and and we now have his child to take care take care of and and have as as the new player character, obviously. And but but it's like yeah, we we failed Gregor, we're not gonna fail you. So there there is yeah. there is storytelling and and role playing opportunity for that as well. But but if you're gonna kill off characters, then then make something proper out of it. Exactly. That's the that's pretty much the same way we do it. Um, Except in the Great Pendragon campaign, where it was, if you die, you die, because the idea was that you would then play on as your characters, yeah, exactly. usually That's son, but sometimes nephew. Yeah. But but in this case, it in in for for example, our Transylvania Chronicles games, it has always been, you can die two ways. Either if you do something that is so uh, risky or monumentally stupid that everyone agrees that the dice should fall as they mm-hmm. may. I mean, if if you walk up to some fifth generation. Three thousand year old vampire and and start a fight with them. Yeah. Then then <laughs> I mean if you know discussion. if you know that this character is this old this powerful if you start a scheme against that character trying to eradicate them and it has been presented in the game that this is someone who will kill people who scheme against mm. them then it's the dice fall as they may yeah. otherwise a character 
can only die if it's if it's been agreed. Like for example, if we play a Through the Ages Chronicle and someone says, I'm gonna play a Cappadocian, and I want and and I'm okay with dying and playing a new character, then obviously you plan to have this death as uh, impactful as possible. And and otherwise characters can can still suffer consequences. But they're not going to die. I mean, it's it's the same way that's that's done in a lot of one-shot LARPs. Yeah. For example, the Convention of Thorn LARP, where it was specifically said no character can die without the player's permission. But if you want your character to die, talk to the people who are your enemies and make sure you do a great death scene. Yeah. Because obviously, if you've flown to Poland or driven to Poland and you've spent all the money on costumes and on playing in a castle, you don't want to be told halfway through the game, well, you're dead, so you're out of here. But but at the same time, it could be really great in the last hours of the game to have this death scene that all the other players are going to be, be talking about. And also, that gives you a chance to in in a, uh, if we go back to the the long running game, uh, prepare for the introduction of a new character, either as someone people already knew, maybe someone's child, or just uh, have someone that the uh, characters trust say, "This is a friend of mine who is here for this reason. Can you take care of them?" Uh, you, you have that option if you've planned the death out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think your idea of, of using the ghouls as the player characters for, for a session or two is, is a good way of introducing uh, a new character because then, then you have something to build from and perhaps one of those ghouls or all of them got embraced later on and, and so, so it's a natural uh, natural kind of way to, to um, introduce a new character and, and have them actually be a part of the game and just in, instead of just yeah. being someone who shows up mm. so we've been talking for quite a while one thing i'd like to end with uh if if you don't have any any other things that you think we should uh, get into uh, no, no, uh, no. yes um is where do you find resources for storytelling advice playing these large chronicles and where do you get story ideas and we've already mentioned uh, real world and uh vampire lore events that can be story hooks, but where else can you find story ideas? One thing that I thought of was there is the storyteller's vault, mm. where you have tons of books written by um, by various um, various people. I mean, I have you've you've played this. I've had I have a scenario there called New Blood, yeah. which is designed to be slotted into an existing campaign. Um, I was thinking with you doing an exploration of. Um, of America, there's one called uh, I can't remember, Dark New England or something like that. That I've heard really great uh, things about, which which takes a look at, at New England in the world of darkness with um, with Native American uh, bloodlines ah, actually cool, yeah. written written uh, in uh, in um, working with a Native American writer. Uh, so if you go through the books that are there, you will. Obviously, I think you'll find a lot of story ideas, but as for storytelling advice, uh, Transylvania Chronicles, for all its flaws, has some really good storytelling advice on playing through the the ages. Yeah, that that's some some like some really good advice. If if we if we actually get to meet each other again in in person at some point, I would really love to to take a look at that uh, Native American First Nation scenario that you mentioned. That that sounds really mm. cool. Uh, personally, I, I realize that I, I borrow or steal, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, sometimes un subconsciously from, from other fiction that I, I like that 
for, for example, I just realized that the whole showdown in, in New York uh, between immortal characters, it's, it's basically the Highlander movies, but in the 30s. Uh, and, yeah. and it being in a half-finished skyscraper, you have the climax of the first Darkman movie with, with Liam Neeson in it. Uh, and, <laughs> and also a bunch of other, like Jacob, you mentioned the, the uh, King Kong or referenced it. And, and yeah, and yeah what, what to say that, that as a part of the epilogue, uh, a filmmaker hasn't seen some kind of, of great beast climbing on, on um, the unfinished Empire State Building. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, so, definitely. <laughs> uh, so, so again, like, take take ideas borrow borrow steel and barter whatever ways you can because yes it's, if you know that it's a good story then then you know that it's a good story and you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you you store it uh, storytell a game uh, but yeah just just change it change yeah. it enough that your players don't uh, guess everything because they've seen the same yeah, story that exactly. you have exactly and and it's um uh, but but I also really like your your advice on on the um, the storytellers Walt uh, and and again it's if nothing else it can just serve as, as inspiration for for something and uh, yeah. and and that's that's one of the things that I feel and I, I re- noticed it just writing this this kind of outlining for for a, a chronicle is that like storytelling fatigue is a thing so you, you're gonna need if, it is if, if you're gonna storytell for for ages uh, both in real time and game time then you're gonna need some new ideas every every now and then and and you shouldn't feel bad as a storyteller borrowing from other sources because everyone no and or for that matter simply saying all right guys i'm fatigued Mm. can we do a short two to three game uh, chronicle where I'm the player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, exactly. There's, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, and one thing that that I thought of might have some storytelling advice. If you're playing a, a through the chronicles and you have these characters that are six, seven, eight hundred years old, I mean, maybe look into some Dungeons and Dragons or mm-hmm. um, Pathfinder books that have uh, advice on high level campaigns. Mm-hmm. I haven't found anything myself because I, I generally don't run high level campaigns. But I mean, there might be something there on how to make it interesting and challenging for really powerful players because in in Dungeons and Dragons and the like you end up really powerful yeah. so so they might have some good advice there and obviously the internet is your friend um there's there's discord there's uh, all manner of groups if you want some some advice on on how to do this pop by our facebook group uh um I'll We'll be happy to give you whatever advice we, we can. And my wife might not be on Facebook, but I can definitely ask her about how she's done it because she's run one really great Transylvania Chronicle game. She's running another one. Uh, she was our storyteller on that werewolf game, which went through 80 years uh, of, of game time or something like that. I can't remember exactly how much, but still very long running. So she's got some experience in that. Um, but but yeah, um, I mean, I... I I love Through the Ages Chronicles, and I think Vampire is the one that allows you to do it the easiest. I mean, with Werewolf, you might be able to do it with the past lives background, or ancestors background, as it's called now, which makes a little more sense. Um, but with other game lines, I mean, it's 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 tricky. Wraith, you could probably do it because you're, you're dead, but you're dead I don't know Wraith... <laughs> what? You're dead already. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I... I I don't know Wraith well enough to know mm. how well that could be yeah. done. Uh, so I think Vampire is where you where you can do it. And because Vampire is 
the first and the biggest of their games. There's just so many cool things that you can you can experience in Vampire Law, both if you started in sort of the Middle Ages, but also like you mentioned when we talked about this, going all the way back to Greco-Roman times. Yeah, exactly. Or, or if nothing else, you can just do do the prologue there because hey, you you could even do like to do a prologue set in whatever ancient times you want. Uh, playing as the characters who then becomes the sires for the player yeah. characters in, in the actual chronicle. So so yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity. Or, or you could set, like, I, I would love a, a game set in like the, the 300 or something at, at the very end of the, the Roman or the Western Roman Empire before everything. Yeah, they, they did that for Vampire the Requiem. Oh, they did Requiem for Rome, yeah. which is... I mean, I am not a fan of Vampire mm. the Requiem, but that Requiem for Rome and the Fall of the Camarilla, as it's called, the Chronicle, I can rec- I can highly recommend yeah. that. Um, so uh, one, one idea, idea that I have, which is completely and utterly insane, and I'm probably never going to be able to run it, but which I thought could be immensely fun, is starting the characters off as fourth-generation vampires in the second city after the Flood. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to do an insane amount of research on vampire lore and history because it would be great for everyone to be a part of that. And you're going to have to completely change the rules because you have these characters that are so insanely powerful. But I just thought it could be a real fun... Just characters... When we get to the Dark Ages, they are the ones who have vast territories and are involved in in jihads against each other manipulating sixth generation vampires like pieces on uh, on, a on a on a game yeah. board yeah so but i i the amount of work it would require to set that up is is daunting so i don't think i'm going to do it but it was an idea that i had if i, One if thing- I was going to do this and i i think it's going to be like we're, we're going to have to wrap up soon but but it, yeah uh, do you know about the concept of, of mega games which, which is basically, it's, it's kind of like a, a mix between a tabletop game and, and a LARP. So you have, you got Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so so I, I would, it would be cool to do your, your fourth generation idea as perhaps a two or may, perhaps even three day mega game. So, so you have a bunch of people and you're, you're not only role playing, but you're also like moving things around on, on a game board and like, yeah, okay, I'm going to move my troops into your territory here and then we're going to roll a dice to see if, mm-hmm. if it happens. And, yeah. and then you have like each hour is one, I don't know, century or, or perhaps even millennia or whatever. So, so you can actually move it along. But because I've, I've, I, I was actually going to be a part of a mega game, but then Corona hit. Um, ah, yes. So, so that, that uh, sounded really cool. So I, I would love to see something like your idea as, as a mega game because I think it could really, really work. Yeah, and I'm going to end up with one final piece of advice that I think is really important. If you're going to run a Through the Ages campaign and you're starting it in the Dark Ages setting, give everyone uh, five dots of uh, generation background for free, make everyone seventh generation, simply because the difference between eighth and seventh generation is so big and it's so much fun to play a Through the Ages game where you can get to level six powers yeah. it it's just it's just one of those things um but that i think that's that's all from side quests for these this week unless you have any final comments peter uh no not really again i want to thank all of our patrons and especially vasily the the new one uh thank you and welcome aboard and hopefully in sometime in the future we're gonna throw up some goodies for you at, at the patreon site 
Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll 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 see what we can figure out. Right now it's just, you know, getting the episodes early because as soon as I I've edited them, I upload them on the Patreon site, uh and it takes a bit more work to put them on our um on our uh, Squarespace main site. So, uh it it even even if I were to put it up early, I can't do it because it takes me a bit more work. So, if you want these episodes as early as possible, it's it's uh, Patreon. So, Uh, Next Friday, we'll be taking a look at the Ashen Knight. Uh, If you want to comment on or discuss our episodes, you can pop by our Facebook group. Uh, We're both quite active there, and we've gotten some really interesting um, uh, opinions on the whole upcoming World of Darkness on the big and small screen, uh, with some rather good insights from some people who who really, really have some some, uh, experience with or have studied uh, stuff about movies and TV shows, so uh, read what they've written. I I think it's really, really good. Mm. If you have any suggestions for a side quest, we're always open uh, for for those, and obviously if you suggest, uh, if you're one of our um, patrons, we're we're going to put you at the the head of the queue uh, unless my girlfriend or your, uh, sorry, my wife or your girlfriend decide to... to yeah, come up with some suggestions. To wield their influence over us. <laughs> yeah. uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me, Jacob. And from me, Peter. Farewell, and see you next time. Bye.